Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello and welcome to History for Weirdos. We're your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie. And each week, we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. Welcome to episode 109 of History for Weirdos. What's going on, weirdos? I'm glad to be back. Yes, always so exciting to be sitting here and recording with you, uh, connecting with the weirdos through the sound waves of the world. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how this works. (laughs) Yeah, we don't know the science, but we know it reaches your ear holes. So that's all we care about, reaching your ear holes. And before we jump in with this week's awesome episode that Andrew has prepared for us, I do want to give a reminder that the deadline to sign up for our trip to Rome and Florence is coming up December 18th. So if you're thinking of going, sign up now. And we honestly just can't wait to show you all the beauty and the history of these two parts of Italy, at least. I know. it's. I'm so so stoked on this it's kind of unreal um so yeah if you guys want to have like a trip of a lifetime make new friends and everything i definitely suggest you do it as soon as possible you can do so in the show notes yes all the information is in the show notes and that's it's about a month away the deadline so get on it friends get on it okay weirdos without further ado let's jump into this week's episode yes tell us what are you going to regale us with this week well, I have an interesting episode. So this one is... I mean, it better be. <laughs> yeah, I guess. The, I mean, to me, they're all interesting. But no, this one is interesting in that like it's... We're going to be covering an event that honestly like kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Right? Like yeah. it sucks that it happened, but it's... um, It's... And it's terrible. And But like it's something that we just like we need to learn about. Yeah. Because it's super important. Those are always really good episodes. Yeah. Um, it's It's kind of it's an insane story too so months ago maybe even like a year ago now i remember looking on tiktok and hearing this uh like one of those sounds like those kind of like viral sounds right and it's it was like a voiceover some dude saying something along the lines of if you think your government wouldn't do something this bad to their own people oh yes they would Mm. and this i mean this quote like kind of perfectly describes this episode oh snap yeah the government being pretty crappy to its own people oh and guess what it's the united states government our government i could have guessed (laughs) right i could have guessed that but in general i will say governments can be shady yeah if harry potter taught us anything it's to question your government harry potter was like kind of low-key an anarchist wasn't he yes (laughs) (laughs) kind of low-key tell us what shady shit did our government do okay we're going to go over the tuskegee syphilis study 
Mm, yeah. Wow. And it sounds pretty much just as as bad as it, or it is, or was bad as it pretty much sounds. Yes, that's a big one. So this is when medical professionals um, basically lied about people getting syphilis. Mm-hmm. So and it's really complex, and we're gonna go over um, over like what exactly happened, mm-hmm. but that's kind of what you need to know. Um, and the doctors involved, like doctors, not only did not tell them like the patients that they were infected with syphilis, but they did once they found out, they did nothing to actually treat them. Oh my god! Yeah, they broke a lot of things that are are like now like pretty terrible crimes. Yes, there's now a lot of um, rights to protect humans being researched on. Right. And we'll actually go over that towards yeah. the end. So kind of without, without like saying there is, there's like a trigger warning for this entire episode. Mm-hmm. So just kind of FYI, um, especially related to like medical ethics and human experimentation. Yeah. Medical trauma content warning for sure. Yeah. Big time. So we're going to set the stage of Tuskegee, Alabama in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. So before we actually get into the actual study, which started in the 1930s, let's talk about Tuskegee, Alabama before this time. Okay. Um, and why it was even like the site of this experiment to begin with. Yeah. Because it's kind of important. So in 1865, uh, the United States government ratified the 13th Amendment to the United States Constitution, Right which formally ended the enslavement of black folks in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, there was still a sense of, but like, you know, and that the story doesn't end there, right? Like I wish, I wish it never began, but it certainly doesn't end there. Yeah. And even from this time on, there's still a sense of like what, what we kind of call scientific racism for lack mm-hmm. of a better term. Mm-hmm. And it's basically the use of pseudoscience to justify racist ideas. So many pseudoscience fields came out of trying to justify racism it's actually insane i mean that could almost be its own episode yeah that's we could do um we could partner up on that one yeah a dynamic duo a dynamic duo if you're saying (laughs) well i'm just like i'm just kind of telling you guys all this so that you can keep it in your your, the back of your mind because it really does like provide to be fundamental in understanding like the lens of like why this is all happening okay so now for just like a wee bit of sunshine in a very dark episode Mm -hmm. in 1881 the young booker t washington Mm -hmm. who might sound pretty familiar yeah i've heard the name (laughs) he was hired to develop the tuskegee normal school for colored teachers oh and we know what a normal school is now because it's come up in so many episodes and he did so um yes and also guys in case you didn't know who booker t washington was he was a very influential black leader within the united states during the late 19th and early 20th century yeah and really got kind of things started with civil rights Big badass dude. Yeah, he was like the forerunner to the forerunner to the forerunner of like MLK Jr. Yeah. And if you don't know what a normal school is, if you've missed us talking about that in the past, it confused us the first time we came across that term. It's a school for teachers. Right. It's like a teaching college, I guess. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So the institution quickly became known as simply like the Tuskegee Institute Mm -hmm. and is now today known as Tuskegee University, which still exists. Yeah. So, and fun fact, much of the university was built on a former plantation. Wow. Kind of poetic justice. Yes. 
a way to reclaim that land in a more helpful way. More helpful way, indeed. So the Institute became known for stressing like a practical education with work experience by students to prepare them for like agricultural and mechanical work available. Mm -hmm. So the school was really successful for the time and provided actually a blueprint for other historically black places of higher education, especially in the South. Very cool. Yeah. And this was, again, during a time where black folks in the U.S. faced not only like racism, but but segregation and an overall just lack of opportunity afforded to their white peers. Yeah. And again, that's kind of important to like keep in the back of your mind. Yeah. The fact that they even needed to develop their own schools because they could not be admitted to white schools. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So... Booker T. Washington, during his tenure um, as the leader of the university, or I guess at the time, just like the college, Mm -hmm. was trying to, you know, change, like change this, like the lack of um, opportunity for Mm -hmm. black folks. And he was like moderately successful. He had like a little bit of success to that. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, like these are systemic issues that would lead directly to like the Mm -hmm. infamous study that we're going to be talking about today. Okay. Um, we're going to fast forward a little bit now to 1928. Mm-hmm. So there was a study done in Oslo, Norway, that looked at patients who had contracted syphilis but had not received any treatment. Okay. Um, this was a retrospective study. So oh, uh-huh. um, as investigators kind of pieced together what happened, and then once they did get it, like they were treated. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the treatments weren't great at the time because penicillin wasn't around yet, but um, there was there were things that were somewhat effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably at least symptom management could be exactly but again this was an ethical study because it was retrospective and the people didn't know they were tested and they're like oh crap okay now you got to get treated exactly yeah so the united states public health service thought hey let's try a more scientific way of looking at this like especially how the disease works and proliferates and like, in theory, if you don't think about it for even a second, you're like, that's a great idea until you realize what exactly that means. Mm-hmm. Then you're like, wow, that is evil. You have to knowingly let the disease progress in, in human bodies. Exactly. And this is a prospective study. Oh, boy. Right. So, and again, the, like, okay, so before I even get into it, like, the, the prospective studies aren't necessarily bad as those, like, type of studies still exist today. Mm-hmm. But they're ethical and they're carried and this one, this one that was carried out was just a gross, like, miscarriage of justice. Of course. And was just pure malevolence, honestly. Yeah. I vaguely know, because I think a lot of us have heard about it or, or seen things on social media that have popped up. I, I didn't learn about it in school, of course. No. But as an adult, I've heard how awful this is. I can only imagine what you're going to share. It's rough. So there was a theory at this time that black folks specifically black men were more susceptible to syphilis Mm -hmm. um specifically that syphilis had a more pronounced effect on you know uh, black men's cardiovascular systems rather Mm -hmm. than their central nervous systems Mm -hmm. yeah i'm not going to get into it it's just really stupid um crappy like pseudoscience yeah i'll just if you don't mind i'll just say the belief that they're more susceptible to a sexually transmitted disease obviously goes with historical really problematic uh beliefs that were perpetuated that they just had more sexual activity and were therefore you know less moral in some way and that's why they would catch syphilis at higher rates yep you you pretty much nailed it 
It's really, really stupid and really damaging. Yeah, it's it's rough to even like talk about, honestly. Yeah. So to test this theory, quote unquote, um, the U.S. Public Health Service partnered with Tuskegee to, again, quote unquote, work mm-hmm. with 600 impoverished black sharecroppers. Okay. So of this group of 600, 399 of them, or you know, just a hair under two thirds, had already been infected with syphilis and the remaining 201 were not infected. Okay. And the US Public Health Service syphilis study at Tuskegee, that was the official name, ridiculously long name, <laughs> was originally designed to only last six months mm-hmm. and was created to study the range of pathology associated with syphilis in the population of Macon County, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And just basically to see how the disease spread if untreated. Mm-hmm. I'm getting really nervous. I'm like gripping my mic. Right. And I remember this is like 1932. It's designed to be a six-month study. Yes. That's not what happens. Yeah. I'm sure you guys, we're going to figure that one out. So this is not explained to the participants of the study. None of this was. That's what I feared. No, the U.S. Public Health Service recruited patients between the ages of 25 and 60 under the guise of receiving free medical care for quote-unquote bad blood. (gasps) So this was just a blanket term encompassing like anemia, fatigue, other conditions, including syphilis. But it was just like a blanket term that doesn't really mean anything. Intentionally vague. Intentionally vague indeed. Oh, my God. Yeah. Many of the times for treatment, they were given placebos like aspirin or mineral supplements or just nothing at all. So like things that just weren't going to work. Without them knowing. Exactly. The participants didn't know. Exactly. They were receiving a placebo. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. They were never, the patients in the study were never told the truth about the study and were never warned about any risks of syphilis, which <sighs> include... Blindness, deafness, mental illness, heart disease, bone deterioration, the collapse of the central nervous system, and even death. Yes. Nothing. None of that was disclosed to them. None. I bet as like a medical professional, it's like... That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. And even though (laughs) they didn't have those regulations at the time that you had to disclose things like that in studies... um, now in studies, like you have to disclose everything and anything that the person might get, including like stress from right. being a part of the study, right? Like you may be exposed to stress through this, whatever. As a doctor, as someone who took an oath to heal and help people and to do no harm, how do you do something like this? That's honestly a kind of a great question. And I, I can't tell you. How do you get that many doctors that are willing to cause harm to their patients? You know, I can't even tell you. That's so, so I can't even like picture it to be honest. Yeah. So the scary thing about all of this too is Mm -hmm. I guess it kind of answers your question is like what these medical professionals told themselves. Yeah. Tell me. So, They reasoned that they were not harming the men involved in the study under the presumption that they were unlikely to ever receive treatment. The words that come to mind are not family-friendly words. Yes. So (laughs) again, 
Which is also in itself concerning because there were methods of combating the disease at the time and practically all medical textbooks recommended treatment at the time. Yes. And obviously they still do. Yes. So it wasn't like, oh, like it's not that bad. No, they knew. It this was, is really bad. Yeah, it's common. Not only they knew, it was common knowledge to yeah. medical professionals. Also, the data from the study was first, uh, was excuse me, it was first published back in 1934. Mm-hmm with more reports that followed throughout the years. This research was not a secret. It, this was publicly available data for uh, doctors. So other doctors are benefiting from this research. Yes, and nothing was ever said. No one's ever like, hey, what the F is happening here? How do exactly. we even have this? Exactly. The more you think about it, the more terrifying it becomes. Yes, I mean, potentially you had hundreds of doctors that saw this stuff and not a single one said anything. Wow. Not a single one even questioned. Exactly. Wow. So as is probably unsurprising, six months come and go. And the Mm. researchers wanted to prolong the study to make it more long term. Right. In fact, it seemed that they would want to continue tracking the folks throughout their entire lives up until they all died. They want to sit back and watch how this disease that they can treat will kill these men. Yes. Specifically also how it's, how it spreads. Like, I don't even think they're seeing it from like a place of like hatred, but it's just a place of like, which is even worse. Um, like they just don't care. Yeah. Like they're just, these people are completely expendable. It's not even like, yeah, they're not even working with like humans because that makes sense because think of our history before this, right? like white people were really brainwashed to believe that right exactly so i'm assuming most if not all of these doctors are also white doctors oh yeah and they just see this as uh, yeah like you said like less than human right and the researchers would go and perform like physical experimentations examinations x-rays and even spinal taps on patients just kind of as yeah just treatment yeah Like, oh, yeah, we're just checking to make sure you're good, even though I know that you have a really dangerous disease in you. Exactly. And I'm not going to do anything about it. Good times, right? Yeah. Wow. Interestingly, they would even pay for the funerals of patients when they ultimately died just so they could perform the autopsies. That's next level cold lack of empathy. Yep. That's next level. I mean... Within the black community there in um, Tuskegee, Alabama, pretty early on there were fears that this was all just some ruse to capture people for the military or some other generalized like nefarious purpose. Yeah, why would you trust <laughs> the government after everything your people have been through? Yeah, and their intuition was ringing the correct alarm bells. Yep. And in order to combat this fear, the doctors also offered free examinations to women and children as well, just to try to convey the message like, hey, everything's all right here. They're actively trying to dupe these people. Yes. It's not even like, oh, we're kind of like sidestepping it. No, they're like actively. It's a trap. And it gets worse. Oh, no. How does it get worse? So after, you know, like a few years, um, not like a lot of the patients like were not getting better, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much none of them were. And they stopped coming to their appointments because this isn't helping. So why am I yeah. doing this? The solution that they did or that they the 
the doctors had was to hire a nurse to get to um, like drive people back and forth between their appointments and also offer them hot meals. Remember, this is also during the Great Depression. So these are sharecroppers. Yeah. yeah. These are people who are hungry. Exactly. They're getting free rides, free meals. They're incentivizing them to do this study where they're just meant to die. Exactly. And they're just offering like the bare minimum, like <sighs> preying upon people who are very desperate. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, now with this study, we have already seen doctors hide the truth about syphilis from their patients, mm -hmm. right? As well as deliberately not treating them. Mm. But like I said, it gets worse. I just thought of something and I hope that's not what it is. Well, We'll see. Okay. So multiple times throughout the experiment, researchers actively worked to ensure that their subjects did not receive treatment even outside of the study. Oh my God. So in 1934, they provided doctors in Macon County with lists of their subjects and asked them not to treat them. Six years later, they did the same thing, but at the state's health department level. You can't do that. No, I mean, it is literally, that would be insanely illegal you today. You can't prohibit people from getting treatment yeah and that's what they were doing that is absolutely what they were doing this was like a united states government like backed thing like yes, yes let's all agree to not treat these men to not make them better yeah absolutely and we'll get into it later in this episode but there are long-term repercussions for this of course i mean that we still see even to this day mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so in 1941 and 1942, when 256 of the infected men were drafted into World War II and their syphilis status was revealed to them. By the way, this is like we're almost like we're basically nine, ten years later from the like the, the start of the. the yeah. Um, uh, the, the study. The, study. the six you. month study. Yes. The six month study. Uh -huh. Yeah. So we're almost we're basically 10 years into the six month study. Um, their silver status is finally revealed to them as like part of like the entrance medical examinations, right? Yeah, they have to tell you that stuff. And get this, like instead of having the army just treat the disease, yeah, and then just have them like matriculate, you know, into the army, um, they the research search just had them removed. Oh just my discharged god, instead. they had that much power. Yes. <gasps> To even, I mean, in the army. For World War II. For World War II, where they were desperate. Yes. The researchers' initial justification for withholding treatment was now, like, just a farce, right? Yes. Like, it's clear that they felt that their research was more important than the lives of the very people who they were charged to be cared for. Absolutely. That's such a great way of putting it. My curiosity about how this may affect people that look like me at right. the very least, is more important than your life. That's exactly what they thought. Oh, my God. This is wild. Yeah. As the 40s progress, there is a fairly impactment uh, development in the world of medicine, and that is the proliferation of, like, penicillin. Penicillin, the original bad bee. Yeah. So penicillin had actually been discovered, like, way back in the 20s, yeah. right? But it wasn't until, I think, 1940 that the purified compound was created to be used as medicine. Mm-hmm. You get the shot in the butt. Exactly. By <laughs> 1947, it was standard practice to use uh, this for syphilis. Yes. And it got rid of it. Yes. So the study, however, refused to treat the infected patients with with. 
They've known these men now for over a decade. Like 15 years. They've, it sounds like they've gone to their homes even. Yeah. They've, like, you've, you've known this, you've watched them grow, you've watched people have kids, you've watched people's loved ones die. Yep. You've watched your patients die. I'm sure a bunch have died at this point. Oh, yeah. And you're like, no, we're still not gonna, this did, heart, I don't have a heart. This did not soften my heart even a little bit. No, I mean, we'll talk about it, but I mean, it's like, if you were to like, just without any context, be like, this is what this doctor did. You'd be like, oh, he was a Nazi doctor. Mm-hmm. Like a hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Nope. American. American doctor. Yes. On so, American citizens. Much to the chagrin of these researchers, by 1952, about 30% of the infected patients had received penicillin anyway. Yay! I said, take that government in my notes. Good. I wonder if it was for other, for like maybe even another infection, because if people weren't treating their syphilis, Mm. penicillin was used for everything. Right. Or they could have just, I mean, these people weren't like imprisoned, so they could have just been like, hey, like I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah. And just be like... Can you give me penicillin? I have syphilis. Yeah. That's, I hope that's what they did. Yeah. Like, I mean, especially the men that knew. I can't imagine also, just sorry, backing up a little bit. Can you imagine being drafted, doing your medical test, and them telling you you have this really debilitating progressive disease? And you're like, wait, but I've been a part of a study with doctors. I've been seeing doctors like every week for years. How did I not know this? That sounds like Orwellian. Right? The the dislike belief that I would have. Like these doctors yeah. are just using me as a lab rat. It's Orwellian, yet it's history. That's yet it's history. Terrifying. Mm-hmm. So as a quick side note, um, I want to mention two pieces of international legislation that were happening during this time, right? Oh. The 40s to the 60s. Yeah. So those two were the Nuremberg Code. And the Helsinki mm-hmm. Declaration. So the Nuremberg Code was written in 1947 during like the Nuremberg trials, uh-huh. right? And it was after one that specifically dealt with doctors and human experimentation conducted by the Nazi regime. Yeah. So it was created to hold medical professionals to the highest standards when working with patients. Like even though it's technically not the, the law mm-hmm. in any government, it is still considered like one of the most important Uh, documents in the history of clinical research ethics because of its massive influence on global human rights Mm -hmm. really big deal it is a really big deal think of you see doctors we we, you know unless you are a doctor if you're listening like you go and you see them as such an authority yeah they are an authority you're like hey like what's going on with what's wrong with my body you're in such a vulnerable position they should be held to the highest standard of ethics. Yeah, and I'm, I feel like doctors would agree with that. Yeah. Um, and the Nuremberg Code, by the way, would also in turn uh, influence the Helsinki Declaration of 1964. And that did develop like a set of standards worldwide when it came to human research ethics. Good. Although this isn't strictly legal, the mm-hmm. declaration is morally binding on all physicians. And that obligation overrides any national or local laws or regulation or regular regulations. Excuse <laughs> me. Wow. I cannot speak today. I need some more water, I guess. Sorry, guys. But um, as I was saying, basically, 
the declaration supersedes any laws. Right. Like if it there's more protection afforded under the law, then the law goes. But if there's more protection under the declaration, then the declaration goes. Yes, you go with whichever is like strictest. Exactly. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I mean, which is good, right? That's so important. It's pretty important. Basically, all of this is to say that the Tuskegee syphilis experiment more or less spat in the face of any sort of medical ethical standards. Yes. Because it's evil. It was. It sounds like it was just pure evil. I mean, these medical professionals, they knew better. And yeah. They were committing crimes against the morality of their profession. Yep. I think at the very least, that's what you can argue. Mm-hmm. And despite all of this, by the way, like the Nuremberg Code was 1947, the same year that like um, syphilis was to be treated with penicillin. Yeah. And then the Helsinki Declaration of 1964, right? This is still going on. And the researchers had even actively continued to push the study even as late as 1969. Are you serious? 100%. I'm super duper serial. What? I can't say the words that I want to say. <laughs> you, you just... Colorful language inserted here. Exactly. So don't worry, though. The winds of change, they're they're a blowing. Good. They're a blowing. <laughs> so luckily, not everyone in the U.S. Public Health Service was a terrible human being. Yay. We're going to talk about a guy by the name of Peter Buxton. So he was a venereal disease investigator based out of San Francisco, mm -hmm. which I feel like is such a old term yeah yeah and san francisco is like yeah that makes sense yeah it's stis yeah um he found out about the the study in like the, about the mid to late 60s mm -hmm. and he immediately expressed his concern to the study being unethical like to his supervisors right but to no avail which was unsurprising wow they even formed a committee to investigate and they found that nothing was wrong and opted to continue the study. I'll tell them where they can put their committees. Then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they still had the goal of tracking the patients until all had died. Autopsies were performed and the project data could be analyzed. WTF. I literally put that in my notes. That makes me want to cry. Like they're just waiting for these poor men who did absolutely nothing to deserve this, to die. Exactly. I mean, this was unacceptable, right, to not only us, but to Peter as well, who leaked it to a reporter friend where it landed on the desk of Gene Heller of the Associated Press. Mm -hmm. So the story finally broke in July of 1972 when the New York Times even printed the story on its front page later. Mm, wow, that's great. And at the end of the year... Um, November 16th, which is ironically actually just a couple of days away from this recording. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, of that same year. So November 16th, 1972, the study formally came to a conclusion. That took way, way, way too long. It took 40 years from 1932 to 1972. That study lasted. A study like this should have never been approved. No. Let alone gone on for decades. It's... Yeah, it is insanely, like, morally bankrupt. Also, syphilis, when it's untreated in the body, is a wildly painful disease. People, that's one of the diseases where people report feeling like their brain is on fire. Wow. Yeah, and they were just letting it happen. Yes, people will 
experience really severe mental illness. It's, it's very bad. I cannot believe that something, I mean, like you can believe it, I guess that something like this happened. If you really think about it, I just wish something like this never happened. Exactly. I know. I wish I could say like, I can't believe this ever Mm -hmm. happened, but we know better. Unfortunately. So by this time, only 74 patients were still alive by the end of 1972. 128 patients had died of syphilis or its complications. 40 of the wives had been infected Mm. and 19 children had contracted congenital syphilis. I didn't even think of that. I was so horrified about the study. I didn't even think about that these folks could spread it to their families unknowingly. I mean, not only their wives, which obviously makes sense, but the children, the children. Yes. It's awful to do that to families. They not even just an individual, which is so messed up in and of itself, but to do that to an entire family and have no moral qualms about it. Yeah. Honestly, no comment. So needless to say, there was immediate public outrage. Yeah. Unsurprisingly, the national association for the advancement of colored people or just simply known as like the NAACP mm-hmm. pretty immediately launched a class action lawsuit against the U S public health services on behalf of the study's participants, as well as the family members. Good. And in 1974, they settled out of court for $10 million total, which mm-hmm. equates to about $63 million in today's money to mm-hmm. be split amongst all the participants, as well as the descendants of the deceased. Mm, that's not nearly enough i was gonna say that's not that's not enough honestly no but the naacp does amazing work yeah mm-hmm. and also the survivors and family members would get all expense paid health care as part of the deal yeah which they kind of deserve that's the bare minimum yeah this time real health care so in 1973, Congress would hold hearings on the Tuskegee experiments and the next year passed the National Research Act, which required that all case study participants have to be conformed, or I'm sorry, informed, mm-hmm. and they have to have their consent. And all studies are to be overseen by the institutional uh, review boards within hospitals and the, or academia. The IRBs, that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. So... Pretty immediately, like the very next year, like Congress passes something else. So, or passes a law about this. That's how impactful this study was, like on the American psyche. Yeah, I can imagine. It's nuts to me, though, to think that the concept of informed consent to your patients had to be mandated. Right. How would you not want your patients to have informed consent? That's a great question. Yeah. Oh, well. (laughs) Anyways, so like I said, the study had a lasting impact on like our psyche, right? The life expectancy for black men immediately after the, like the news dropped, um, actually dropped modestly. (laughs) It dropped by like about like a year and a half roughly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And not to mention that the trust that American people had in their government especially amongst like minority communities yeah dropped rather significantly and honestly hasn't recovered so mm-hmm. the government has done a lot of bad things so this definitely goes deeper than just like this one isolated incident mm-hmm. but is just like it's honestly like kind of highlights like exactly what the government did wrong and like what has been doing wrong for a very long time yeah Yeah. And you're right. This isn't like an isolated incident. One like thing that comes to mind, and I don't know the dates of this, but I think it was in the 60s and 70s, um, was the 
a lot of black women and Hispanic Latino women Mm -hmm. were sterilized without their consent. Oh, yeah. They'd go to like a public health um, gynecological clinic and be sterilized and not know that that's what happened. You know, they'd say like, oh, you have fibroids, right? That's like a common thing that comes up. They're painful. We'll remove the fibroids for you. But they'd remove a woman's entire entire uterus. (laughs) That's insane. Yeah. Again, I wish I could say, wow, I can't believe that. But no, I can. Mm -hmm. So there there was just a lot like that happened here, right? Oh, yeah. And although there was not like one non-medical research study that came out um, in 2000 called the knowledge of the Tuskegee study and its impact of the willingness to participate in medical research studies. Mm -hmm. So the study comes out that's basically like, Hey, um, like now that you, like, we're going to teach you about like what happened here with this Tuskegee syphilis experiment. Like, how do you view the government now? (laughs) So they tested like before and after, (laughs) right? It's a really good study. Unsurprisingly, it came to the conclusion that people were generally reluctant to trust the government when it came to medical research experiments, especially if they had knowledge of the Tuskegee ones. Mm Mm-hmm. So, and this mistrust was very high amongst the black community. Again, unsurprisingly. Yeah. So we can see this today as trust in vaccines is much lower in black community than their peers in other racial groups. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's distinctly because of the Tuskegee syphilis experiments alone, but it at least had a hand. Of course, because the that type of bias, right? of uh like against the government or against a vaccine those are things you pass down to your kids to keep them safe exactly like if that happened to your dad or your grandpa or your neighbor growing up you are aware of this you would definitely want to warn your children even if you're not explaining the details of the study to them right against trusting things like oh we're gonna give you health care treatment exactly mm-hmm. so Speaking of government, uh, the United States government actually did officially apologize for the research study when President Bill Clinton gave an apology in 1997, so 65 years after the study began. Oh, my God. He, He stated in his speech, quote, the United States government did something that was wrong, deeply, profoundly, morally wrong. It is only in remembering that shameful past that we can make amends and repair our nation. But it isn't remembering that past that we can build a better present and a better future, end quote. Whoever wrote that for him. Did a great job. Did a great job. Yeah, I was like, that's a great, great line there. Yeah, yeah I agree. Speechwriter deserved a raise. Definitely. <laughs> because that's why even I imagine you're talking about it now. These things are so painful and yeah. so uncomfortable. And there are things we don't know, like neither of us are doctors or researchers. Like we can't speak totally informed about this, but. It's so important to talk about. That's the only way to move forward. Exactly. So, and speaking of the study, like the last participant in the study would eventually die in 2004 and the last widow in 2009. But I think 10 of the children are still alive today and actually receiving benefits. (sighs) Good. Yeah. I'm glad. And it's just interesting because to me, I mentioned the Nazis earlier, right? Mm -hmm. Like we demonize the Nazi scientists and their evil experiments, like rightfully so, right? Mm Mm-hmm. 
but yet not a single person was brought to justice for their heinous crimes in these experiments. Are you serious? Yep. No one did jail time. No one was convicted of anything. I bet they didn't even lose their licenses. Probably not. So what's even more shocking is the Tuskegee syphil study was not the only syphilis study done by the, like, or at the behest of the United States government. In a similar fashion of not treating the disease? Arguably even worse. No. This other, I didn't even, actually, I didn't even know about this until I was like kind of done researching this episode. But in a study in Guatemala from 1946 to 1948, nearly 700 men and women, mainly prisoners, soldiers, and mental patients, were intentionally infected with syphilis without their knowledge or obviously their consent. Oh my God. Yep. My jaw dropped. And it was not until 2010 that then President Barack Obama formally apologized for that experiment. Wait, this experiment was in Guatemala, but it was the U.S. government? It was at the behest of the U.S. government. Oh my God. Sorry, that's even worse. (laughs) I was like, wow, the Guatemalan government did that? That's crazy. No. The U.S. government? Yeah. And since they weren't even Americans, right? They were just like, we're going to do something even worse. We're going to make this even worse, right? Because out of sight, out of mind, who's going to know type of thing. Exactly. These people are in another country. Yeah. And actually it was interesting because that wasn't broke. That's a story. I don't think broke until like the early 2000s when like someone died, like a doctor died and like the notes of this Mm. kind of just like happened to fall on some guy's desk. I don't know the the full story, Mm -hmm. so I'm not going to get into it, but that alone is absolutely wild yeah and again they're looking at who feels disposable uh people of color um soldiers right yeah, mental lo- patients yeah prisoners those people feel disposable yeah and again like i think wow. to me it's important that we remember all of these things especially when like giving the government power either explicitly or implicitly um, like is ever brought up for a discussion because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like they have done these things and they will continue to do these things right. it's not just you know not just pointing the united states government pretty much every single government has done terrible s- things yeah mm-hmm. some more than others obviously but mm-hmm. anyways governments are capable of heinous things and the more powerful they have the scarier they can be yeah remember weirdos governments should fear their people not the other way around i feel like if you're listening to this podcast you totally agree yeah i think you agree with that yeah but regardless of how you feel this is the story of the tuskegee syphilis study wow my love you did an amazing job i learned so much i really wish i had learned about this in school yeah like these are the things that we should be learning in school yet like we don't Mm -hmm. like i I honestly didn't know about this, I think, until after I had graduated college. Maybe I learned about it in college, but mm-hmm. not, like, because of a class. Mm-hmm. It was just, like, it happened to, like, run and, like, hear about something about it. Yes. I learned about it very briefly um, in research methods um, in undergrad, right? It was yeah, like, a... oh, we're not allowed to do this stuff anymore. <laughs> it's yeah. like, uh, y- yeah. <laughs> um, but this, I didn't know how bad and how deep and how long this went on. Four decades. And how many families were impacted, like an entire community, right? Ravaged because of these really um, amoral doctors. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Or immoral. 
immoral. Yeah. Not no, immoral. No, right. mm-hmm. I mean, what's really interesting is that um, as, and I didn't mention this, but as part of the apology that Bill Clinton gave, mm-hmm. uh, $200,000 was given to Tuskegee University to establish the National Center for Bioethics in Research and Healthcare. Mm. So a little, like a glimmer of like goodness at the end there, but yeah. at the expense of like hundreds of people's lives yeah well hopefully those people are doing good work in bioethics and again just thank you for teaching us about this yeah you got it i'm glad you liked it i'm sure the weirdos have heard like other stories and stuff relating to this study so definitely let us know on instagram when we post pictures for this episode if you have more information or facts about it we love we love the information that you all share with us yeah you guys rock so thank you so much for that. Yeah, thank you guys. And Andrew, thank you again. You got it. And before I forget, I got to cite my sources here. Oh, yeah. Like we're back in uh, high school. So <laughs> we got the CDC.gov, um, or CDC.gov, excuse me, the history.com. We got, I got a source from McGill University. That was actually quite good. Um, the National Library of Medicine, Encyclopedia Britannica, and our personal favorite, Wikipedia. That's great. That's awesome. This yeah. information is so important to have. It is. I mean, it's, and like for every one of these, I'm, I feel like there's also probably like another hundred or so Yeah, that we right. just don't even know about. You're right. You're absolutely right. Well, thank you again for sharing this with us and thank you for listening, weirdos. Thanks, weirdos. Until next time. Adios. Adios. <laughs>